0: No rain, no wind, no snow, bicycle. Rapids fans, and welcome to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. I'm Rabbi, a.k.a. Mark. Usually Matt does the rundown, but tonight I'm in the hot seat. I get to play the number nine, baby. We saw the Rapids this past week get eliminated from the playoffs this Saturday night without even firing a shot as LA Galaxy downed San Jose and sealed the Pids' fate. The USMNT floundered and fizzled to a loss in Japan. Well, not in Japan, but against Japan in an empty stadium in Germany, followed by a dull nil-nil draw <coughs> to Saudi Arabia in a completely empty stadium in Mercia, which apparently is a part of Spain. US Soccer Twitter is ready to fire Greg Berhalter. How about you? I am not joined by a man named Matt or a person who has red hair but rather by a man who draws more pleasure from a Rapids 2 MLS next pro match than is healthy or sane. It's our friend, Joseph Samuelson. Joseph, how are you, my friend?
1: Man, I feel like I just got sliced and diced there. No, um, no I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to make my uh, second ever holding the Highline cap. Still have yet to be invited on the show when the Rapids have not been eliminated from playoff contention. So, I mean, I don't know what that says about,
0: uh, what it says about Mark and Matt, but we'll bring you on when it's still relevant. No, we're not. It's we're, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It just, it, everything revolves around me and Matt's vacation schedule, which of course also revolves around the ability to attend Colorado Rapids games because our lives of course are dominated by this terrible soccer team to which we are, both bowing and fealty to and come hopelessly addicted to, despite the fact that it's unrequited love. They almost never love us back. Me and Matt, of course, started following the team after they won an MLS Cup. And in the time that Matt and I have covered this team, they have never won a trophy. But Joe's going to change that, Matt, uh, uh, Joe. Um, Joe, uh, for those listeners who don't remember your appearance in episode 35, <clears throat> can you tell us a little bit about you and a little bit how a little bit about how, you fell in love with and or caught this horrendous addiction to the Colorado Rapids.
1: There is no team in MLS. I'd rather be addicted to than the Colorado Rapids. (laughs) Um, I, uh, uh, for those who don't know me, here's a little, I, I guess, a biography. Um, I'm about to turn 28. Um, I grew up playing soccer, um, as many suburban white kids do. Um, from I want to say from the age of like three was when I first kicked a ball. And I played until my parents told me, you're not making the travel teams. You should do an extracurricular that's going to help you with, your, uh, with, the, rest, with the rest of your life, basically. Um, and so I kind of dropped out of the sport. I, I played like, you know, some club ball in college. Um, But because I grew up in Alabama, in the dark days of MLS, where there were no Southern teams, um, I had sort of no association or um, connection to the professional game aside from, you know, us national team, which, um, you know, I would watch whenever they were, whenever they would come on, um, and kind of just, I would watch during the international breaks and kind of drop back into this ether of, you know, whenever the next soccer game is going to be. Yeah. Um, I finally moved out to Colorado, I want to say six years ago, um, became a season ticket holder. Cause it was the first time I was living in a, you know, Metro area that actually had a team. Sure. Um, and You know, over time, actually, it was your Backpass column that inspired me to start writing because I felt that Rapids fans, one of the reasons why a lot of them weren't paying super close attention to the team or why they're maybe not... There wasn't as much interest in the team because there wasn't a lot of coverage.
0: Like, yeah, as far I was as, like, I was laughing because for two reasons. One, you probably started writing about it for the same reasons I started writing, which was basically nobody was writing about the Colorado Rapids. There was one guy back in the day who wrote for Burgundy Wave. Um, and I and he sent out an email one day saying, like, anyone else want to write? And I was like, sure, I can't do any worse than you. You're the only other guy who does it. Um, and he was great, actually. That's that's Chris White, um, who no longer covers the Rapids but is the OG um he started burgundy wave back in the day and the other thing i was laughing at joe is 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 uh self-deprecating and this is not a reflection on you at all whatsoever it was more like you probably had the same thought that i did which is like well if this guy can write about the rap anybody can write about the rap i don't have to be good or anything you know so yeah so um, it was
1: really it was really just like i saw like i really enjoyed backpass and i loved that oh you know, thanks there was actually somebody who was writing about it from like a tactical yeah and statistical An analytical perspective. And
0: And I was like, I want to
1: read more of that.
0: And the funny thing is I don't really have as much time to do it anymore. And I really need folks like you and Matt and other folks who write or podcast about the Rapids to kind of like give your thoughts. And I think the other thing that's really wonderful about um, not only soccer, the soccer writing and podcasting community in MLS specifically, but also your work, which I've really enjoyed, is um, everybody has a different perspective on the game. You can't describe everything that happens in a game. I will write something and it'll be a very brilliant take on what our fullbacks were doing, but I wasn't really paying attention to how the wingers were being used or how um, spacing was being you know, dealt with off the ball. Or I spent all that week thinking about the offense and not thinking about the defense or not thinking about transition. Um, and And there's just too much going on in a soccer game to really cover it. I don't know if you've ever coached before, but um one of the great things about coaching both basketball and soccer which I've I've coached is the head coaches would turn to me in the in, before we go into the locker room in a game when I was an assistant in either of those teams and say, "What did you see?" and I would say something and sometimes it would be relevant and sometimes it wouldn't and and sometimes you're watching a part of the game that nobody else is seeing, you know? Like have you found that are there are there things that you've been noticing um recently that like was like a unique uh, a unique take that you were like nobody else is noticing this huh
1: yeah I feel like this kind of gets into a whole a whole discussion about like theory of soccer and stuff like that um which I'm not sure if we have the time nor um expertise to really uh discuss but like um for the longest time I used to sort of be of the perspective that like I only focused on shots right shot creating actions um uh you know plays that led to goals because you know goals define soccer games um and i feel like doing that i lost a lot of like the uh analytical perspective on like the chances that were like almost there but not quite that didn't result in shots does that make sense yeah yeah um so i think like. Like, if even now, if you look through, like, a game feed on, like, MLSsoccer.com or, like, ESPN or something where they give you, like, the highlight, like, you know, the you know sentences about, like, what happens in each minute, they don't always, you know, even acknowledge those aspects of the game. So, those, when I rewatch Rapids games, which I usually try to do before I write about them, um, because, one, knowing the result about a game and then watching it with that hindsight just gives you a whole different perspective, Um And two, I feel like you just miss a lot of those in the game because people tend to come back, they focus on the big chances, like the one that just missed the post or the one that ended up in the net. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really appreciate, like, I really like to focus on, like, the chances that, you know, kind of almost got there but didn't actually get all the way. Yeah, I think, like, that part of the game is really interesting to me. Like, why did those chances not result in shots where others did? Right. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's well said, and I I think – it's It's one of the reasons why you and I are both more interested in expected goals than any human being should be, um because I think a lot of and I, and i'm I, I think I'm guilty of this. Um, it, it, to be serious, I think a lot of fans are right to be critical of a soccer team that doesn't put the ball in the back of the net. And for season after season, I will typically say about the Rapids, like, oh, you know, they produced a 1.7 expected goals, but were shut out two to nothing. Like, we should have scored there. Like, we, we just had bad luck. And like, that's a thing that you can fall into. But, but the inverse of that is, is still true, which is that the team, the Rapids in specific, you know, over the last couple of seasons, but most soccer teams in general, it's mostly about creating chances. And if you create more chances than your opponent... Overall, you're likely to do better, and I think you know noticing that is really important. And then, but the tactics is that other piece because I think you know when I was writing for ASA uh, American Soccer Analysis, um, they were really long on mathematicians. You know, they were they were really great on guys who could create models and use complicated statistical regressions that I literally just did not understand. Like you know, if if you didn't have a finance degree in arbitrage from from wharton or you you didn't i
1: still don't fully comprehend goals plus i'll be straight up honest about that i get
0: how they do it but i'm not like well and i think you have to be math nerdy enough to eat to do either one of two things one be able to look under the hood and say i understand this algorithm and here's why i disagree with it or to open up the hood and, and say, I understand this algorithm and here's why it's absolute brilliance. But the challenge with ASA in terms of their, now we've gotten real nerd land, So this is fun, but um, the challenge with ASA and that algorithm is, it's proprietary. They're not going to share it with you. And there's nobody over there who's that brilliant at writing uh, about or explaining it and the people who really were great at writing and explaining it there were like four or five writers who were really either writers or or stats guys who are really exceptional at it they all work for professional soccer teams now right like the yeah, great that, thing that about,
1: tended to happen to a lot of the old yeah. school soccer bloggers that i yeah. used to follow in like <laughs> the 2010s they also like, they all got I, jobs yeah yeah i would basically i'd be i'd be reading like all this stuff oh wow this is great and then they would just like ghost their website and yeah. most of them don't like
0: they, they don't pay for
1: their hosting fees anymore or whatever so like the site's
0: just like sort of left into the ether yeah
1: um because well, that's on jobs.
0: the that's both on the downside and the upside on the upside you got guys like brian sharetta who you know went from being a soccer blogger into a full-time professional for i think he's with the now um but and then and and uh and I mean, honestly, like Matt Doyle started out the same way that you and I did. He was a Metro season ticket holder back in the day. And that's how he fell into this. Um, and and my my you may not know this because why would you? But like my actual um, superhero origin story with becoming a soccer writer and soccer fan was a high school buddy of mine was the digital editor for MLS back in the day when they wrote a lot of their own com- co- uh, content. And he, he hosted a podcast called March to the Match. And I had to drive up to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, starting in 2011 to be the rabbi up there. And I had, you know, six to eight hours to kill in a car. And so my friend uh, Jonah was along with me for the drive, Jonah and and Matt and Matt Shevitz, the Shin Guardian. Um, so for those of you who are old school MLS fans. Um, you'll remember those names. All right, that's that's enough of us nerding about soccer podcasting. By the way, this is like what me and Matt talk about this all the time off the pod. Um, we just think it's not very good content for the podcast, but I think it is. I think it's great to talk about. Sorry,
1: Matt, if you're listening to this. <laughs> after the fact.
0: Matt um, is definitely not listening. Matt is basically like, I got the week off, baby. I think Matt's in Miami watching, was going to go to Miami to watch us uh, a football match. Uh, sorry, a throwball match. Which wow. now that there was a, an actual hurricane, he was going to go watch his Miami Hurricanes, the sporting team. And now there was actually a hurricane near to Miami. I don't know if he actually saw a throwball game this weekend. I have, we'll find out where Matt was, but he he was not in Amsterdam, um, watching uh, Cole Bassett or or Sam Vines um, sit on the bench as they would. All right, um, with that, we're we're going to do a like we're just we have a great opportunity here with having Joe Samuelson Samuelson on the podcast in which um, we can kind of get different takes. Um, There's no point in breaking down the last Rapids match for one, we already broke it down because they were off this week because of the international break. But for two, like what's the point of breaking down any of the last couple matches when we have a new guest on who can give us kind of a sweep of the whole season. So Joe, if, if you have any, Kind of like either bullet points or specific first thoughts about like what, how would you contextualize the twenty twenty two Colorado rapids season? were there things that were there things that went right? Was it mostly things that went wrong, and what are some of your like main bullet points about what went wrong?
1: I think that this was a the rapids going into the season were a middle of the road western conference team that got crazy unlucky with injuries, mm. player regression, and those two things were exposed by what I would consider to be subpar transfer dealings mm-hmm. and like inadequately replacing players that left um, in the offseason and also in the middle of the season.
0: Who do you think uh, was the biggest offseason departure where you're like, ooh, that hole did not get filled? Cole Bassett.
1: Yeah. Um I think that his relentless pressing mm. and his like constant like harassing of defenders in the final third took the ball like uh, or it made it so that the defense didn't have to do as much work because the Rapids were doing more in the in the final third if that makes right. sense. Right. Because so much of the Rapids play last season created chances just from like turnovers in the final third. Um, mainly due to like relentless pressing of like Bassett, Barrios, and even, you know, Baji down the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, th- like losing, b- taking Bassett out of there, even even considering that, you know, he hit the post way more than <laughs> anyone should have reasonably, right. reasonably done. But I think losing his non-scoring contributions was probably the biggest thing. But I mean, with all of that, I tweeted this out a couple days ago. You look at do you know what the what, what Colorado's points per game is with and without Jack Price in the lineup this year? It's uh, it I think
0: it's pretty notable. I think it's like it's 1.7 monumental. and 1.1, something like yeah, that, it's,
1: right? It's 0.93 without. Yeah. And it's 1.47 with.
0: Yeah, I was close, One, but not that. Yeah, close. <laughs> yeah. And
1: like, but no, but seriously, like yeah. 1.47 is like that's where Nashville is in fourth place right now with right. that. Or right. last time I checked, I, I haven't seen the updated score since the Seattle or updated well, standing since the Seattle and, game.
0: And I think your point about Jack Price is great because it it leads to a second point that some of the smarter guys in, in, in punditry have noted. But like the Colorado Rapids, and, and I've broken down at different spots over the last couple of years, which is the Colorado Rapids have been very, very reliant on set pieces. They've been very, very reliant on um, corners and without Jack Price in the lineup, they weren't doing as well. It was interesting. I interviewed Jack Price a couple months ago and it was like the Rapids had just gone on a two game win streak, maybe a three game win streak or two wins and a draw. they looked good recently. And Brian Acosta had put one into the mixer that was that ended up a headed goal. And so Jack was like, we were joking, you know, in the interview, like, oh, ha ha ha. Like he he's doing well enough from the corner that maybe he'll steal your job. And then he went ice cold and nothing, nothing went in from the corner from that. That was in, that interview was in July. And I don't think the Rapids ever, I don't know if they scored a single corner kick or a free free kick the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I don't know that, you know, if they have off the top of my head, but you're right. Spot on with the fact that, you know, Brian Acosta came in, did great on that one set piece and everybody was like okay maybe maybe not losing jack is yeah, gonna right. be like you know maybe we're just gonna be okay
0: yeah. um and then uh you know we all know what happened yeah. um are there other places where regression was uh, was notable or were there certain positions that should have been signed where you were like god they didn't get that that's gonna be a problem
1: i think on paper a lot of the replacements that they got were i i think at the time, I I looked back at like what I wrote at the time when they signed like Max and Abubakar Kata and, um, you know, all the all the guys that they got, you know, Zardes and all the and um, Biasia, you know, all these players that they picked up in the first transfer window this season. Mm. And I sort of came to the conclusion at the time that the team was just at best um, sort of like staying pat. Um, and at yep. worst was downgrading in a few yep. areas. I did not, I, my, my bar for max this year is that I wanted to see him, uh, create more goal, uh, have more goals, uh, goal contributions than Namley did last season. Yep. Even considering his injuries. Right. Yep. Um, and he still hasn't done that even if you include his champions league goal. Um, so I did not foresee max being as, um, I don't want to say useless because (laughs) I think there's, there's glimpses of potential there, but I did not foresee it. Toothless. Toothless. Yes. Toothless is a perfect description. Thanks. Um, Yeah. So I, I think that in combined with the fact that everybody in the Western conference pretty much improved this season was just a recipe for this team to like lose a lot of the, mojo that they had from last season mm-hmm. and we haven't even said talked about yet galvan's absence from this team right and right. i think him alone having him this year to like push barrios and lewis in, on the wings and like sort of threaten their roles and as like a you know as as attacking forwards or even like the opportunities you might have to play him centrally behind you know rubio or Uh, you know, or who ended, what it ended up be Zardes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think losing that option really impacted the wingers because one, there were, there's way more minutes that Jonathan Lewis and Michael Barrios had to pick up as a result. And two, there's not, there wasn't a guy on this roster who you could say is a direct, really competitor with those two. It's really the best the Rapids have. Right. In those positions.
0: I I mean, for me, and I I haven't thought too much about it, but, you know, the midfield three uh, to your point about Cole Bassett and being a harasser, but a forward harasser, which I think is a really valuable position. It was a it was a position that Tab Ramos with the U23s once suggested that um, Tyler Adams could occupy, that they could plug him in with the U23 USMNT as an attacking midfielder. And that he would do a lot of the kind of pressing and defensive midfield type work. But Bassett was doing that from a four position. When we lost Bassett, we wound up with a midfield three that was like, you know, Max and Brian Acosta and Jack Price. And what you have when I when I've looked at the numbers and with the way they play with both Jack Price and Brian Acosta is, they're kind of sit back into space, pick off the ball type guys. They're not run around and cause mayhem. And my take with defensive midfield pairings or with midfield threes is you need a guy who's going to run around and drive everybody nuts and force people into making bad passes so that another guy or two can step into those lanes and pick off the ball. And we didn't have enough of that. We had, we had a couple guys who, I mean, Jack Price does harass, but he's not a young man anymore. He's not, he's never been really, really fast. And he's always mentally preparing to switch and transition over to the offense. So he can't really move into a primarily harassing defensive position, but um, yeah. yeah, that that's like, it's like a whole, it's like a whole mentality uh, of a player that we don't have like a type of guy that like is like a Cole Bassett that, that we just haven't had. Um, but, but I think, you know, and and you and I are both, I think, understanding of this team being what it is which is they're not going to spend a ton of money we're you know we're we're not in the market right now for ronaldo we're not in the market right now for um some big european signing who who's going to come to the team and and change everything right like harry kane is not the imminent winter transfer uh change that's going to fix this team but like you know um of the players who got injured uh who is other than, I think you mentioned Brian Galvan, but is there another player that maybe you thought like, wow, his injury really set this team back. It really could have been a different year without, if we had had him.
1: I think the Rapids don't make a horrible deal for Viasia. If Abubakar Keta doesn't right. go down with an ACL injury right. uh, at the start of the season. Um, I think that like Viasia is looking more and more like a panic buy to me. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, you know, trustees gone which is another thing we didn't really talk about how, you know, the moment trustee signed right. that arsenal contract, his form just kind of uh, cratered at the start of the season. Right. And then that impacted the play of Wilson and Abubakar. And now Wilson and Abubakar are basically starting in a back four, right. which they've never been exceptional in. Right. It's, um, it's,
0: there's like a cascading series of weirdness exactly. with this team. Like, you know, you also add to that a thing that we kind of forget about because it was so um you know we 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 didn't we didn't make a season extending contract offer to kellen acosta and then we had mark anthony k in the mix and we're like oh it'll be fine we have mark anthony k and then as the season sort of kind of went downward and downward horick smith unloaded mark anthony k because we could get value for him with ralph prizzo but ralph prizzo is not a today guy he's a tomorrow guy but like That's a name, you know, those are two names we didn't really mention And that, like, Mark Mm. Anthony Kay was fine, but he didn't move the needle for us to make the season better. But they still haven't replaced his contributions, right? Right, and Ralph Prizzo is fine, but he also isn't moving the needle. So, like, we all the moves that have been made this season were, like, none of them were, like, game changers. You know I mean? Like, Jossie Zardes is the most game-changing, and I don't think anybody is, like all that hyped up on jossie and i don't know that's another question about whether you think jossie is worthy of bringing back next year that's
1: the hardest question <laughs> I, No, i mean i'm dead serious because like on paper you know he's doing what he's been asked to do right and also i'm not super confident in the rapids ability to go out and get anybody better right uh, monetarily or you know uh it's like
0: It's been a minute, it's been a hot minute since the Rapids had a guy who was either, I mean, he is right on 10 goals, but like double digit goal goal scores for the Colorado Rapids are not a frequent thing. Like I can name. Do you remember the last time the Rapids had two? I know the rap last time they had two because me and Matt talked about it a bunch. It was 2010 when Connor Casey had 2018. Oh wait, 2018 we had
1: Kai and Diego.
0: Oh, that's right. And
1: every, and and this is, this is my favorite fact that Jason, Jason Maxwell and I talk about all the time, which is that (laughs) the Rapids have never made the playoffs when Diego Rubio scores double digit goals, um, which is just kind of like a bizarre, um, you know, uh, thing to be thing to exist. Um, But yeah, like it's the Zardes question is so hard, and it's honestly going coming down to the wire for me because I want to see if he can, if he if he actually hits double digit goals. Um, but honestly, like you you give me the choice right now, like you tell me that the Rapids are going to go out and get like someone like Chicha Arango, right? And I say, oh yeah, don't sign, don't re-sign Zardes, go get you know go get one of those guys, right? Yeah. Um, but are we really confident in the right. Rapids ability to do something like that? Right. I mean, right. I, and I'm not, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's 750 uh, K to Columbus is a lot just for the right to resign him before you even get to the uh, contract financials of it all.
0: And ha- that, that is, that was a publicly released number based. And is that based on how many starts he had or how many goals he had, or was no, that so automatically there was a, the deal?
1: Yeah. So there's, uh, this is Brendan Plone's report. Yeah. Um, in the Denver post, um, a good friend of both of us, I think, I think, uh, uh, Brendan's been on the show before with, uh, he also has two
0: caps. So he's like, he's like a, you know, late, he's like a late replacement, but he's, he's, he's been in some consequential matches. He's, he's Mm. been used when we haven't been eliminated. So. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm to I'm starting to see the pecking order here. Um, (laughs) no you can play uh, yeah, your so way
0: in man you can you just you have a good showing today and who knows man you might wind up a starter replacing me in the lineup it, it's all good i wouldn't want to do that but yeah
1: <laughs> with um oh man i've completely lost my train of thought zardo's uh, money yes yeah, so, yes yeah, so yeah right so if the deal with columbus was that we paid them i think like what like three hundred seventy-five thousand gam like right off the top of the bat for him and then the deal is that a total of 1.1 million in additional money can go to Columbus under specific circumstances. The majority of that 750 of that 1.1 million goes to Columbus if he re-signs with Colorado. Right. The other remaining 400k ish um, was based on his his total goals, which I think he has to hit 12. Wow, um, I think it's at twelve to qualify for like 100k, and then another was was he on the World Cup squad? Right, which is definitely not going to be. Um, and then there were a few other metrics in there, maybe total number of matches. I don't remember, but the point is that like two, if they want to get him on a new contract, yep, they have to basically pay pony up three quarters of a million in allocation
0: boy by Uh, the way Porik smith is as good at uh expected goals as i am because i exactly said um the same thing i said that zardes was gonna get 12 that was that was my over under for Jassy zardes in an article i wrote on backpass earlier this year um but i was doing exactly the same thing that you the columbus crew and Porik smith were doing which is Looking at his expected goals in past years, looking at his expected minutes this year, and just drawing a straight line. So the fact that he's under that is, you know,
1: it works against his favor for sure.
0: Yeah, it's evident. Well, it's also he he was a little snake bit at the beginning of the season. He he created a bunch of expected goals that he didn't convert, and so he was behind from the start. He's been playing catch up ever since. So, but
1: and I also think that they make the deal for Zardes in the preseason and he yeah. comes and plays, he plays all those games in Tucson. He go, you know, he plays champions league. I think he's, he would have come out of the gates a lot quicker than he did. Yeah. Um, I think that was like a big, a big problem was that he came in the mid season and you got, you, you got to start him because his you know, uh, with the way the other Fords had been performing leading up to that, aside from Rubio, like, yeah. you know, you just got to make room for a finisher like that.
0: Yeah. There's a world in which you, 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 you turn over 2023 to Darren Yapi and you just give him 2000 minutes and see what he does, because why not? But like, I don't think that that's likely the way to go. I mean, I think another thing that the, that's been difficult with the Rapids is there are all these young players who are we're supposed to kind of either come forward this year or this was a transition year so that next year they could own the team? Ali LaRaz is one of them. Um, Yaya Torre, um, Darren Yapi, um, Brian Galvan is another name. Uh, and then you've also got a, a guy who I I had bought a lot of stock in and then didn't wind up. Um, he's he's done about as much for my stock as the actual stock market has done for my stock, which Sebastian is not good. Anderson. No, well, Seb- oh. Sebastian Anderson or or Sebi, as uh, Marcelo loves to call him, um, he has definitely been disappointing. No, I I, uh, I was very excited about Philip Mayaka because I watched oh, him with Clemson. Oh yeah, everybody
1: was excited about and Clems- he,
0: with Clemson and in the ACC, he was so 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 fantastic, and there were so many other players on that Clemson team who were really talented, and they played against very good teams, and it just it just hasn't been. He hasn't for whatever reason. It's just been. You know, his his running around on defense is very good, but his ability to connect passes. I mean, you've actually watched him a yeah. lot more with R2 than anybody I've watched else.
1: So much Mayaka minutes this year. Yeah, the first what, game What do you I've,
0: see in him? And what do you see him? Yeah, why hasn't he progressed?
1: I tell I tell everybody the same story. The first time I saw Mayaka get extended minutes uh was in a Rapids two preseason game against Hailstorm, the new mm-hmm. Fort Collins team in USL League 1, a uh, game which the Rapids uh, lost, or Rapids 2 lost, I think last second goal or something, like that. it was like 2-1. And I think Darren Yapi got the opener for the Rapids. Um, I saw Mayaka played all 90 minutes of that game, and the man got n- nutmeg three times oh! by a team that had never played any game friendly. This was like literally Hailstorm's first that's
0: so like weird.
1: public game. Like they yeah. had, they had done closed door friendlies with like a high school, I think, yeah. or or a college in the buildup to it. But this was their first ever like sort of, I guess, test against uh, opposition I would consider on their same level. Right. And I mean, they just, they just made him look silly for 90 minutes. That's so weird. And, um and I just don't know. I didn't see enough from him throughout yeah. the, like he improved. Like he didn't have any mares as bad as that during the MLS next pro season, but he didn't show me anything that made me think he's ready for MLS. Right. Like I think his ceiling is might, might in fact be like bench in the USL yeah like a a rotation guy in the usl i don't think he's
0: it's fascinating but you know we have to move on and talk about some other things but it's fascinating to watch players year after year and it's fascinating to think about um pork smith and fran taylor in the front office of the colorado rapids um uh you know um brian crookham in the the director of development and uh Mitch. uh Oh, Mitch's name is escaping me, the director of scouting and what they're looking for in players, because you can see a player who looks, you know, who's had two good years in uh college or who's been really solid with their youth team or whatever, just burning things up. They could have raw speed. They could have physical talent. They could be technically adept. But one of the things that you can't gauge in any sport is the drive to continue your development and i think that that's really a challenge um with this latest crop of rapids like i talked to a number of players who who i thought they had their head screwed on straight and they look good and i've talked to other players and thought man i have no idea whether you're you are going in the right direction and sometimes i'm right and sometimes i'm wrong you know like yeah. when i talked to um sam vines I very much got the sense of a guy who was very, very focused and driven. I got the same sense from Ali Laraz, but he's been thrown off by injury. And I had no expectation from talking to Andre Shinyashiki that he had his head in the right place. And he really did. He propelled himself right out of you know, his junior, I interviewed him junior year at, uh, at DU and was like, this guy's crazy. He's, he's never, he's never going to amount to anything. You know, you'll never I mean, hear it was back when he was down. top
1: score for the U20, the Rapids U23 team that used to exist, that PDL That's right. team.
0: That's right. That mm-hmm. year he actually had a, like a, a knee thing or a hamstring thing and he missed like a whole bunch of time. And, but, but then he blew it up and, in in, in D, at DU the next year, but anyways, Um, Joe, you and me, we both watched at least some, if not all, of the two USMNT games uh, recently, and they were not great. We're not going to recount exactly what happened minute by minute, as Matt likes to do, um, because I'm lazy, to be honest. But also because if you strung together all the highlights of the USMNT against Saudi Arabia, I don't know that you would have that much to talk about. There were a few fizzing chances um but mostly against Saudi Arabia there was a lot of dumb-headed turnovers and moving the ball down the wings but not getting it central and then against Japan there were just a bunch of bad defensive lapses and getting smacked in transition um what do you take away from these two games are we all hands to the pump panic stricken as usmnt fans and how would you best calibrate expectation going into the november world cup
1: the um the saudi arabia game bored me to tears it made me regret uh taking my (laughs) lunch break to watch it um Yes. Uh, so yeah. So uh, long story short, like I'm 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 not super excited going into November, but I think it's always been about 2026 with this group. I think that anybody who was expecting the US to even really win a knockout game this, this with this crop of players with no veteran leadership at all, like I think that's I mean that's asking to be disappointed. Um, to be honest, like my hope, my my idea that this team is getting out of the group, like I just I'm not confident in that anymore, like, anymore, um, mm. where I, as I, I I was, I guess, if you asked me this time last year, right after the Nations League and Gold Cup wins, and when they got off to an okay start in qualifying, I was like, you know, this team is, is good enough to get out of the group, but now I'm not sure, and the reason why I'm not sure is I think that this team has fundamentally bad ideas about how to create chances Mm. with the personnel that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it sort of stems from like this sort of attitude that we as Americans, we don't, we want to, we want to have our soccer respected. Like we kind of have this inferiority complex about like how the rest of the world views American soccer. And so for the longest time people have been like calling for the U S to play pretty possession, um, like you, like sort of they've been calling for the u.s to like sort of throw away the transition uh counter gameplays plays of, of right. yesteryear in exchange for you know beautiful the beautiful game right? right and i don't think that the current group of players is the best I like i don't think that's the best use of the current group of players right um and i think that's why when you lose a guy like Musa, which the U.S. didn't have during this window, right. all of their midfield creativity just went just completely out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, it resulted in you know sort of aimless working the way up the, up the wings. Right? Maybe you get a cross in that gets headed away, or more often than not, you just turn the ball over.
0: Yeah, I mean, to what to what degree? I, I this is going to sound insane because I I sometimes watch. Um, opposing teams to the U.S. men's national team and I I really am interested in them and I'm so interested in how they play that I'm almost in my head like rooting for them and in the first few minutes of Saudi Arabia I was just mesmerized by how they chose to play and I really enjoyed it right like they they started pressing with their front three and they, they had, you know, on brand for our podcast name, a very high line with their back line. And they compressed the midfield and they basically said to the U S like, we're not letting you go through the middle, go, go over our top. See if you can do that. Go ahead. And the U S tried over and over again and just screwed it up over and over again. They had so many, the first half was like offsides, call offsides, call ball kick too long, you know, um, it, you know, and every, once in every six tries, they'd actually lack bad first touch. There was a lot of like, you know, the the, the stats say the lore on Jossi Zardes is that he has feet of stone that like his first touch is death. But if you look at his G plus receiving stats, he typically in the last three, four seasons has been an above average receiver of the ball. And I thought to myself, like, man, we could use a guy like Jossie Zardes, who uh who will settle a ball when it's over the top better than these guys will i mean and that was the thing that i noticed in saudi arabia was there anything a noted that you noticed in saudi arabia or japan that was like wow this team can't do this thing and we need them to do this thing and players at this level should be able to do this thing and they're not doing this thing are there you any the things us that- or do you
1: mean the us from- us yeah oh man i think they really <laughs> i Like, I I just keep going back because like, I don't think this, I think, I think Berhalter is a great club manager. Mm. I think he excels in that role. I think if I was in charge of a team that had a huge analytics and scouting budget and knew how to go out and get every type of player that he liked, I think he'd be a very effective coach. Um, But I like, I'm not sure that's there on the national team. Because, like, I don't – this team, re, I think, really needs, like, that big guy up front. Um, but every time the U.S. plays with the big guy up front, they don't play to the big guy up front's strengths, right? Um, so I think, like, Jordan Pifak, you know, would would have been a great addition to this team, but – I'm not sure it would have been a good addition to like, I know he, he doesn't play how Burhalter wants him to play. Like right. he wants his forward to be like Jesus for who's like dropping back and assisting with the buildup. And I get that. And that's why I just keep coming back to the fact that I think if you want this team to go as far as they possibly can in its current state with the current group of players, they just need to be playing completely differently.
0: Mm.
1: And the problem is we're out of time. To start thinking about playing differently at this right. point. At this point, you have to go with what you've been doing for the whole cycle. And I mean when this team is on, it's on. Like when 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 everybody is healthy and available, it's amazing. Yeah. But you think of these five players, right? Adams, McKinney, Musa, Reyna, and Pulisic. Right. Those five guys have rarely been on the field together. I think they have somewhere like between 90 and 180 minutes on the field at the same time, um, because one of them is always injured. Right. Uh, it was Adams for a while. It was Reina for a while. Um, it's Musa now. There's yeah. always one of those out. And I think you, oh yeah. And then and you throw in Robinson, because as much as I like Sam Vines, the drop off from, Ro- from uh, Anthony Robinson to yeah. Sam Vines and the way Berhalter wants to play, is
0: it's it's interesting because i find yeah. i i've watched enough of sam vines's club matches to think like that guy is the light in the truth like he can yeah. now the challenge of course is the type of opposition he's playing against a lot of people look really good in the belgian first division but it's not the same right like you could yeah. even you could very easily make the argument that the belgian first division even isn't even as good as mls and that he's tearing it up because he's playing against weaker opposition, but he looks very, very good in, in those matches, but you're, you're right. And I think Anthony Robinson, Anthony Robinson looks really, really good at left back when he's healthy. And I hope he, he will be good to go. You know, he should be, it's, it's a minor injury from what I understand, but. um, Yeah. So
1: if, if you, if this team has, has, has Musa and Robinson back, I'm a little bit more confident. That's good. About their ability to get out of the group. Um, but it's going to come down to their ability to break down a low block in Iran.
0: Yeah. And we know
1: that this team has, (laughs) I mean, we saw all of qualifying, right? Like we, we know this team has a lot of trouble on
0: away from the United States breaking down a low block. They can, they can make Mexico look bad. They can, they Mm -hmm. can go toe to toe and they can play very well against a, a, a team like Canada who are, normally not that much to talk about, but this cycle were exceptional. They can look really, really good against those teams and then drop a nothing burger against El Salvador and and really struggle. And that's, they play up and down to their opponents like no other team. Like they, the U.S. is not Germany. You know, Germany- Germany blows out teams. It's supposed to blow out. That's it. And and so do, uh, so do the big teams like France, even England in the last cycle have been the kind of team who did not struggle against minnows and the U S team will, will make every game look like they're playing a very difficult opponent. The other thing I was going to say was, I think the two players who are pivotal for me, but haven't been pivotal in both this cycle and and reliable overall in the last year are, um, Brennan Aronson and Christian Pulisic. Pulisic has since he's been at Chelsea for the last two years, just barely gotten a lot of use and he looked good in spots last year. And then this year, you know, he looks like a guy who's he looks and, and pardon me for being very men in blazers here and getting psycho emotional with a, an individual who I just watch and read articles about. And clearly I don't know the inner workings of a man. Um, although I've met his father because his father was an assistant coach here for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. But okay. um, but my sense of and a of, former indoor league player, I believe. If my yeah, memory I think that's correctly. right. I think that's right. Um, but I feel like Christian Polisic is just not in form right now. Oh, yeah. And it's really hurting the rest of the team. And we need him to be we don't need him. We don't. You could argue that we need him to carry the team. But even if we don't need him to carry the team, we need him to be at least as good as Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams on a very good day, right? We don't need all three of them to be like beast mode. We need all three of them to be clicking and doing well. And I would say Polisic looks shaky Adams and McKinney look day to day. Like that's my take on them. And I think you and I both see soccer, very similarly, which is like those are critical pieces. The last thing I'll say is this, which is like I don't think any of the front th- front three in either of those games really burned anything up or really impressed. Your your point on PFOC is is one that a lot of people have made, but I am glad to hear it from someone who I like and respect, who seems to understand it, um, because I think I mean for me for my money the the guy who. I wish was there more than anybody else's Daryl DK. I I really like him. That's
1: a really good shot, but he's
0: also a flash in the pan. I mean, his, his, his meteoric rise has been meteoric and very, very recent. And so the idea that that guy is, is just gonna, but you never know, man. I mean, Julian green eight years ago came out of nowhere and saved our butts against Belgium. Um, You know, maybe that was a miracle and, and not like a, not like written in the stars, but I don't know. Anyways, any final thoughts on the USMNT uh, before we uh, I, I, I am to our just, final piece?
1: I am just excited to to cheer for the United States at a World Cup again. Well, that's fair. Like, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just gonna be really happy to watch the US suit up and play on the highest uh, at the at the highest level, the most important yeah. tournament in the world. And I know that getting to this point is difficult. And I do want to throw one more thing at you before we completely close the loop on this topic, because I know, you know, everybody wants to fire Burhalter, Right. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not a really rash guy. And I know that you can't, you know, look what Spain did at the last World Cup. Right. You can't you can't just throw away a manager right before the tournament. It's just not a recipe for positivity. But long term, what do you think about a guy like Hugo Perez?
0: Hugo Perez, fill me in on Hugo Perez. Give me his biography.
1: Um, I believe he's coaching. I believe he's managing El Salvador right now. Okay. Um, and I think he, I would argue that he has them punching above what their weight is. I think he's a good recruiter as you can see by their ability to grab, um, Alex rolled on, um, a player who I right. think would actually really be, um, I think could have been useful, uh, during qualifying. um, And no, 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 I think he has I think he has a lot of good ideas about how to best like he's a tactically. I would argue he's a tactically flexible manager who's able to work with what he has and doesn't, you know, he doesn't need X, Y, Z type of types of players to succeed, if that makes sense.
0: Crazily enough, Um, I'm just looking him up now. So we we've overlapped multiple times in our lives. He was in Los Angeles when I was living in Los Angeles since I was I grew up there but he also uh was the US U15 coach from 2012 to 2014 so he's been the US yeah. he's been a US men's national team 73
1: caps coach. for the US
0: too that's crazy yeah, yeah. I, and i and i don't really know cuz he was around in that in that era i mean you know the guy to ask since maybe you'll get a chance to talk to him is um uh marcelo balboa and ask what he thinks of him and is a really Cello doesn't have, Cello's a great coach uh, when I've watched him coach the youth teams for the Rapids because Cello doesn't have big tactical ideas. And actually when you when you listen to him do color commentary with the Rapids, uh, and that's not a slight, I mean, I'm sure he has tactical ideas. That's not, I'm not saying he's bereft of, of tactical genius. He's probably knows that, but what makes him a talented coach is that he watches players and how players go into tackles and what players are doing and player development, and that's why he's an excellent coach for the U15s. So asking Cello what he thinks of Hugo Perez might be really valuable. So yeah, that's a really that. that's a really interesting shout. Um, and you no, know, I just we, think
1: it's a. I think a lot of people when they talk about U.S. manager, they throw out guys like Pep. They grow. They throw out guys like Bielsa. Like right, they throw out right. guys like Arsene Winger. Oh yeah, these guys are going to come. You know, they're going to leave their...
0: Cushy uh, you games. know, wherever they're, cushy, yeah, yeah.
1: They're, current cushy they're current cushy gigs
0: in Europe and they're going to come to the U.S. Right. And I just no, I'm see, hashtag American happening. coach like I, I you yeah. know, Jesse Marsh would be probably my ideal. And Marsh is based on the jobs that he's been taking the last couple of uh, years, sure to be fired at some point in the near future because That's he true. keeps taking. The, I mean, the great thing about um, uh, the um the great thing about the jobs that those guys take is that they pay really well. Um, because you know, you can't be there forever. You're like, you're yeah. not going to like Jose Mourinho is Jose Mourinho. Like he's going to last three years max, but he doesn't need to work. I mean, the dude's probably lying on a beach in the South of France as we speak. So, all right, with that, we got to turn to our final segment because we could go on and on forever, but I'd rather make sure that we don't burn you out so that we, we get you fresh for your next cap. Uh, Let's go. It, which i matt and i are talking about as like probably 2027 2028 we we'll, we can work i'm just kidding um uh, so um the rapids have two final games they play dallas in uh, at at uh, at uh, at colorado in what will be our last home game of the year it'll be fan appreciation night at Dick Sporting Goods Park, um, which is a, a lovely event if you've never seen it, Rapids fans in person. Um, they give away jerseys. All the players give away their jersey to a to a random fan who's entered in a drawing. I think it's all for season ticket holders, technically, but um, there's a lot of really nice little like gestures to the fans. Um, and it's a it's a good last shout to kind of get fans to come out to the game, even when there's really nothing to play for. But that is actually the question. And the final game will be in Austin, I don't think it's likely that either Austin or Colorado will have anything to play for at that point. Austin has pretty much stamped themselves into second place in the Western Conference. I'm fairly certain there's nothing can dislodge them from that position, and the Rapids can't make the playoffs. What What do these games mean? What do you want to see? Who cares what Des- what uh, Dallas and Austin do? But what do you want to see the Rapids do in these last two games? Who do you want to see them play? Sure.
1: Um... I do want to push back on one little thing you so, said. Go, um, which is that Austin's not going to have anything to play for, and I think you look at—I know they might not have anything to play for in terms of standings, but MLS is about being hot going into the playoffs, mm. and I have no reason to think that Austin's not like going to just like phone in a game. Um, I actually, you know what? I don't I haven't looked at the playoff schedule because it hasn't mattered for the rapids. Um, but I don't know how quickly the playoffs come after that last game of the season. But I think if it's if it's just a week af- if it's like a week after the as long as it's not like three days or something after the last game of the season, mm-hmm. I think Austin's gonna probably try to win because you want that momentum going into the postseason. Um, but in terms of like what I want to see from the rapids. I really want to see Priso and Yapi each get a full shift. It doesn't have to be together. it doesn't have to be for both games right. I want to see each of them go like like have a decent starting shift. I think every time Priso started, he's gone out at the forty fifth minute. Um, I'd like to see him at least for seventy five um because it's so hard to tactically evaluate like what he Like every time I watch him individually, I think he's done really well, but clearly there's something like sort of missing from his final product of Frazier's like leaving him out of the team so much. Um, And I, and I'd like to, you know, actually get an extended look at him with the team because it's the best way I feel like it can evaluate his like contributions with to the whole. Right. Um, and I also want to see, I want to see Yapi get a full run out um, because I think a lot of his, I guess, invisible performances for Rapids 2 this season have been not really his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, like when he gets the ball, uh, like the man is, is, is moves like, moves so quick for how, uh, for how big he is, for how mm-hmm. physical he is. Um, surprisingly speedy. Um, remind, I mean, I, I re, kind of reminds me of like, a less physical Daryl DK with more uh, with better ball control. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, 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 he reminds me a lot of Zardes, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Zardes is a really good analog to him, to to Yapi as a player. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to see him like play a game where he's consistently getting chances Um, across his sub minutes this year. He's only taken, I think three total shots, but I mean, he's also only been getting like five minutes at a time. Um, so I'd really like to see him, like how he looks with what Frazier, how Frazier wants to play with, with, with Yapi there. Um, those are the two biggest things I really want to see.
0: Um, right. I are see there any other, those guys? So for me, I'll just add, um, uh, there's like two players. I'd also, two other players I'd like to see out there. Um, and, and, uh, two veterans I'd like to see, If only to get a curtain call in what might be their final appearances, both as Colorado Rapids and as professional soccer players. So I want to see Anthony Markanic out there because I think um, even though the way I looked at him, he had one good game and two not so good games. The one good game he had, which was against Seattle, which is a game the Rapids won, showed me enough that I thought the kid had a lot of potential as a future left back in major league soccer which is really interesting considering um he really played uh, defensive midfield um in college so i think that's a very exciting possibility but also just trying to suss out like does this guy have a career in major league soccer what is his career in major league soccer like what's his best position can he be a swiss army knife throw him in at any position um and another player that I would like to see out there, even if it's not to start, um, would be Sebastian Anderson, the aforementioned, just because the kid hasn't really been doing a whole lot this year, and I'd like to see him kind of get out there. Two senior I think players. Anderson
1: is um, going to stay with the Switchbacks for the rest. I think of the you're season. right. Uh, I think you're right. I don't yeah, think we're unfortunately. Again, but... I I agree with you that I would want to see. Yeah, I, I would want to see him there, but yeah. I don't think it's he in the has, cards.
0: I think he had like 23 minutes this year. He just he it was yeah. he ate some garbage time, and he never really he hasn't um,
1: gotten a start for the first team since Frazier's first game yeah. as manager. That's crazy um, against New York Red Bulls.
0: Yeah, um, and then the two players that I want to see get curtain call, swan song, final opportunities are Stephen Betashore who I mean realistically he might stick around for the rapids his contract according to my records uh expires at the end of this year they got one op- they got one year option of course they have options i never i never think about the options because i just think like you know um his contract is high enough that like yeah odds are you're not gonna br- it's not that high i mean he's on uh my records. 100k say, won- i think 172. Oh okay. Um but but the other guy is and he hasn't been good this year but he deserves the the curtain call because he's a career guy and Rapids fans have loved him for many many years is uh Drew Moore and Yeah, absolutely. You know, to to be blunt and a little bit harsh, um he probably should have retired last year when there was still some tread left on the tire, but the dude deserves, you know, to be brought on in the 80th minute or the 85th minute so that he can get a standing ovation from the people who love him. Um, And so his his little girls can, I think he has two girls can, can see him run onto the field one more time. And um, the dude is a stand up guy. He's a, he's a fantastic human being. And, you know, soccer for me has always been, especially as a writer and an interviewer, um, but also as a human being, like it's, it's just another uh, medium to tell human stories and an opportunity to engage with folks. And amongst the humans that I've engaged with on the Colorado Rapids, Drew Moore is one of the better humans I've ever dealt with. Now, that's not to say that Stephen Bateshore is not. It's just that I never got to interview him. Um, By the way, um, uh, uh, Abubakar is also one of my favorite humans I've ever dealt with, but he will probably have many, many more years with the team. So we shall see. Any final thoughts, uh, Joe, or shall we, as Matt likes to say, when we end this, get out of here?
1: Let's get out of here and cool. hope uh, the Rapids extend their four game home winning streak over FC
0: Dallas. Oh, that was that was good salesmanship. You're you're working on a on a front office position that we, If you can keep that up. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, where to catch your writing and where to read you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, uh, listen, if you guys like what I've had to say in this show, um, there's a lot more of it on the Internet. Um, I am at J.S.P.S.A.M. on Twitter um and you know i post the long form i post a long form preview and a recap for every game um on my blog um because i still use a blog in the year <laughs> of our lord 2022 um josephsamelson.com. uh just click the link in my profile you aren't going to remember how to spell my name um yeah i'm with that and it's yeah, hosted re-
0: on tumblr am i is that right yeah,
1: it's just one. of Tumblr. It's a website I've had for it's it's my personal website. Like you can go through the archives on that and find Fantastic. stuff I've written in 2011, 2012 or something like that. So whereas
0: to find all my uh, writing, you'd have to collect seven different websites, including one that no longer exists on the Internet anymore. You need to use the Wayback Machine around
1: mls.com am i right
0: god i why do you even know that even i don't remember the name of the website that i used to write for before it it catastrophically imploded like a nasa uh satellite crashing into an asteroid attempting to change change trajectories that was the best worst idea i was ever involved in i can't even someday someone will do a seventeen-part documentary series on the history of around MLS. No, they will not. Um, Joe, Always I really, there. I really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, and helping out. Um, you were a a joy to uh, speak to and learn from. And I hope folks really do uh, check you out on Twitter and check out your website. It is a great read, full of really interesting informations and a great perspective on the game. We need more good writers like you out there. Um, and someday down the road, you should not hesitate, even though Juan is uh, singing your praises as someone with limited access. There's nothing wrong with taking a press pass every once in a while. The cookies in the press box are fantastic. The rest of the food's garbage, but the cookies are great. I I, I have made my way up
1: into the press box. I just haven't done it since uh, right. post-COVID. Nice. Um Honestly, I like my perspective as being a guy who watches from the stands. I hear you. Um, my uh, beautiful wife and I watch every game from the top of 109. Though we are switching sections next year, Ooh, um, east side, you go east.
0: You're going to, east, you're, you're, going you're to the south side, stands because our south. tickets
1: have gone up to nearly $800 for tickets that used to be $400. Womp, womp. And, um And based on this past year i yeah. do not think that price increase is worth it um but you know uh someone in the sales I team like reach out to joe though. and his
0: wife and make them a deal like see no, if listen, see if you listen, can get
1: I, them- I i i i yeah but at the at the end of the day i still i still just really like that perspective of just being yeah. that guy who's like i'm i'm listen i'm in the crowd like everybody else yeah um i don't i don't consider like what i do to be like particularly special i feel like any anybody should be able to do um, what I can do. Um, and I like sort of having that as my perspective, but you know, maybe one of these days I will make it back up to the press box and steal some of their cookies and drinks. let
0: the the, the migration is is uh is inevitable because i was section 109 row 15 for many many years and then moved on over to the other side but you know like i'm uh, east side till i die baby that's that's the way it goes joe thank you so much for being on um you can catch all of our writing matt pollard who normally is hosting this show is you can find him at at lwos uh matt pollard On Twitter, you could find his writing at Last Word on Soccer. You could find my writing and Matt's writing at um, HoldingTheHighline.substack.com. You can support our stuff either at Holding The Highline by becoming a Highliner by uh, paying forty-two dollars a year for a subscription, or I think we're what are we five dollars a month? Five dollars a month, but it's a better deal. It's worth it. It's It's worth it. I do it. Um, And uh, Uh, Additionally, you can follow me at soccer underscore rabbi dot. uh, No dots. What am I talking about? At soccer underscore uh, rabbi on Twitter. Um, Lastly, we are sponsored by Acres FC and Roughneck Scars, purveyors of fantastic threads for your neck or for your body. Uh, It's indoor season coming up now that the fall is slowly drawing to a close. Maybe your futsal team needs a, a new kit or a new jersey or a new scarf. I don't know, man. Or maybe you're having a bachelor party. Go check them out, Icarus and Roughneck Scarves. Thanks for listening to us. We will check you out next time. And peace.